Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. Welcome to the CIC, initiating security clearance. My name is Napoleon Soto. Bond. James Bond. Ethan Hunt. Felix Leiter. Ilya Kuriaki. Identity confirmed. Now, pay attention, Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Tom, what do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Do you expect me to talk? Yeah, baby! <laughs> Coming to you from an undisclosed but still socially distant location... It's Essential Intelligence Cinema Podcast. I'm Jason Griever, and with me, as always, Ben Esslinger. Thank you, Jason, and welcome back to episode 12 of Central Intelligence Cinema. We got another Intel report lined up for you, and uh, I'm excited. There's some interesting stuff to talk about. Should we just get into this sucker? Yeah, let's just get right on into it. Looking for a news story? Impress me. Transmitting CIC Intel dossier. They'll print anything these days. Okay, so Intel report. Today is the 21st of February. So happy February and hope everyone had a lovely Valentine's Day. I know you went out, Jason. Uh, I did. It's a little bit of uh, of the D-bar action. So it's a nice little dessert joint out here in the... The undisclosed location. Um, <laughs> I had a grilled cheese sandwich and a bowl of tomato soup, which cost me sixteen dollars, which may seem ridiculous, <laughs> but it was valid. It was Valentine's Day. It was very tasty, and the dessert that I had afterward, which really was the whole reason I went, uh, yes. was phenomenal. So uh, I was happy. The wife was happy. And everyone was very, very happy. It was a good, it was a good day. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> We uh, we kept it at home, but uh, my better half made uh, this very delicious risotto, and I grilled steaks to go with it, and uh, yeah, turned out pretty well. well I was going to watch, uh, so recently I ordered, there is a Bond cover band. Um, they're, they're like a jazz band. They're a full ensemble. They've got, you know, different percussion players and and... You know, they've got a trumpet guy, they've got a, a guitar, they've got a, a saxophone, they've got the whole the whole shebang. But they're called Cue the Music, and they recently put on a really cool show on YouTube of, of a performance of theirs uh, where they covered a bunch of different Bond theme songs and stuff like that in a very jazzy sort of way. And I was so blown away by it. I liked it so much that I ordered in video form and we were going to watch that, but then I couldn't get, I couldn't get the the screen sharing to work on my TV. So that was kind of a bummer, but so now, I'm just, now I'm just waiting for the Blu-rays to arrive because apparently I'm tech deficient in that respect. Oh, well, that's, that's not good. But uh, yeah, I highly recommend if, if you're into that sort of thing, cue the music, uh, Really cool band. They, they, is it is the the Bond thing their their shtick, or is it just something they did for this particular show? No, it's it's what they do year round. They actually so, performed. They actually performed at uh, Peace Gloria when they did the. I forget what the anniversary of it was uh, for Honor Majesty Secret Service. The one that George Lazenby was actually at. 
Really? Um, yeah. And so they performed at that. They've, they perform all over the place, but yeah, really, really cool band. They do a lot of like kind of bossa nova type numbers. Nice. Like, like so, a lot of the versions are kind of bossa nova E and <laughs> it's kind of fun. So, so kind of Las Vegas lounge lizardy is what you're yes, saying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you, is it letter Q the music then? Yes. It's the letter okay. Q. It's the letter okay. Q and then the music. So. Okay. Okay. That's a, that's what I was trying to get to. I'm like, yes. well, that doesn't really sound like a very bond name, but oh wait, the, but perhaps the letter Q. Yes. I should have, <laughs> I should have clarified. <laughs> I think it was pretty obvious to most people considering it just popped into my head. James Bond letter Q. Okay. Clever. <laughs> very clever. <laughs> Did you guys stay up all night thinking about that? <laughs> Um, what else is going on? Oh, I did want to bring this up before we get into the official stuff. Um, so I finally am starting to read, to actually read the Alex Ryder books. Uh huh. And, uh, I'm, I'm about halfway through the first one. It took me one night, um, <laughs> just cause it's, you know, it's young adult reading. So it's, it goes very, very quickly, but something that I had to that forced me to go back to the front of the book and check when the copyright was for the original printing, because I okay. was like, it was like a chicken or egg situation. Um, okay. Cause I'm reading. And first of all, in the book, in the first book, he is supposed to, he's posing as this kid that won some sort of contest. And that's how he's getting into the evil layer is okay. is Alex is posing as this other kid and he's posing as a kid whose name is Felix Lester not Felix oh, Leiter no <laughs> not Felix Leiter Felix Lester <laughs> didn't um, I just say something about that on the last <laughs> intel report I think we no, did when, when, when we did Alex when we did the Alex Ryder write up yeah, uh, I think I said that they should introduce that character in like season four. four. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was in it, and then also, um, th he brings up a Ford Mondeo <laughs> in the book, and I'm like, okay, hold on a second. Did this come out before or after Casino Royale? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, it came out in 2000, so it does predate the 2006 Casino Royale. So the Ford Mondeo was just happenstance. <laughs> it's, it's not based on the fact that Daniel Craig was driving a Ford Mondeo when he first gets into the Bahamas. So, That's funny. Well, you know, to, to, to be fair, the, the Ford Mondeo has been around a long time out in, in Europe. So indeed, indeed, you know, so. they could be refer, referring to an entirely different Mondeo. Right. Well, exactly. We yeah. That is so funny. Well, you know, along those lines, um, well, I didn't read any spy books um, because I don't read. Um, <laughs> it's such a lie. Um, <laughs> I was watching uh, the newer version of Total Recall. Um, oh, yeah. This week, mm -hmm. um, they had it on uh, sale on some video service. Like, ah, yeah, it's worth four bucks. I'll get that. Sure. Um, so I was watching it and I had completely forgotten that at the beginning of the book or the beginning of the movie, rather, he's reading a James Bond novel while he's going through the drop that goes through the center of the planet. I don't even remember that. And I, I 
can't, you know, up until 10 minutes ago, I think I remember what the name of the book was, but I don't remember now. But it was one of the movie versions. But it was literally a paperback, like one of the original paperback versions of it with that 60s style cover and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's supposed to, I realized it was put in there to make you think, well, is Doug imagining all of this? Right. It's one of those little things that they threw in there to make you wonder what was actually happening kind of deal. Yeah. But. <laughs> I maybe watched. I probably watched that movie five or six times since it came out, and I don't think I've ever noticed he was reading a James Bond book until this particular viewing. So, man, now I'm gonna have to see if I can find that and check that out. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> the, it, it, you know, it's like when you buy a new car, and for like the first six months, all you see is your car on the road. You don't see any more cars. It's just that one, right? So, right. doing this podcast, I'm seeing a bunch of James Bond and spy stuff I probably wouldn't have picked up on before. Right. All of a sudden, it. Bing! Yeah. Well, let's get into the uh, the official stuff here. Uh, right. the, fir- the first uh, piece of intel that um, came across my desk uh, about a week ago, a little bit more than a week ago, but it's still uh, pertinent. Um, on the 11th of this month, uh, Disney held their first quarter uh, financials uh, and earning results webcast. And they were asked during during that whole thing, they were asked about Black Widow as far as releasing it. And they were quoted as saying, we are still intending Black Widow to be a theatrical release. We'll be watching the reopening of theaters and sentiment about consumers returning to theaters. And we will adapt accordingly. But for now, we are intending for it to be a theatrical release. Follow-up to that, actually, I read uh, just yesterday as I was just sort of prepping for this show was apparently along with that, that webcast uh, there were some rumors, quote unquote rumors that the head of Marvel is vehemently against releasing it on Disney plus as a hybrid release. He really, really, really wants this thing to go to the theaters and, and nothing else, but well, we'll he, 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 He's the boss, I guess, but uh, that's true. Also, though, the, it's you know, it's good to want things. <laughs> yeah, there's an there's an entire board uh, that runs Disney that might have something to say about that. But exactly, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll go back to what I've been saying all along. It's that you know, now that they've started the ball rolling again with their TV stuff, this thing has to release at some point if mm-hmm. it's got relevant data to keep things moving along, and yeah. so. Um, I think we're going to get, I mean, May is just around the corner, almost literally. It's two months away. That's crazy um, to me. Right, right. And I think they were still intending to release Black Widow somewhere towards the beginning, middle of May when it came out. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean, even if they push it out to Labor Day weekend, which they could, or to Memorial Day weekend, which they could, you know, mm-hmm. to try and capitalize on that. You're still only two months away. They still haven't got all the shots out to people. You're still not going to get people going into theaters. And at some point they have to say, well, do we release this, keep the narrative going, or do we take the opportunity to hold out even longer and maybe edit some of the TV stuff so it doesn't have relevant things? And I feel like Kevin Feige, who I know, you know, he may run this Marvel universe, but he doesn't run the Disney universe. But considering his bat is the one that's hitting all the home runs these days, I imagine Feige coming and go, I don't think that's a good idea. I think we should just do it my way. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, you know, it's funny because they say we're intending to release it in theaters by yourself. Nobody said that. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole lot of other people involved. <laughs> right. But I mean, well, and I mean that, you know, are they going to just do it in the theater? They don't say they're going to release in the theaters at all. They could release in the theaters 
and on Disney Plus. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, which they probably, I still think that's what they're going to end up doing. I think we're going to get to May. They're going to run it on for 30 days. I don't, mm. I'm curious. What I'm curious to see is if they're going to charge you for it like they did with Mulan. Yeah, I got. I gotta think they're going to. I mean, maybe not the. Maybe not the thirty. Maybe they realize that the thirty is is a. That's a tough number for a lot of people because a lot of people don't sort of recognize that that's actually a deal. Considering that you're not paying for popcorn, you're not paying for soda, you're not. You know, that's for anybody in your household that's watching that all mm-hmm. at the same time for thirty days. Right. For 30 days. So you get to watch it more than once. So it's actually a great deal. It's just people can't seem to wrap their head around that figure. Right. So maybe I wonder if they do keep it, try and keep it in the theaters longer. And when they do finally release it, it's, it's still a premium, but it's not 30. It's maybe like half that or 1999 or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. I just think that uh, I think from their standpoint, if they sell, if they do it for less than 30, all the people that pay 30 bucks for Mulan are going to start complaining. Oh, they're going to lose their minds. (laughs) If they give it away for free, all of those people are going to start complaining. So I think the problem that Disney had is, is they're like, we'll jump on this ship, $30. And people are like, here's your $30. What do you mean? I don't get to keep it after 30 days. Oh, I get it. as part of the $7 I'm paying you now. Okay. Well, what if I want to put it in my DVD player in the van? Oh, I'm hosed. Okay. Right. So I think Warner's did it the right way. You had to commit to not charging people right off the bat. And we're just going to show you stuff. Or I think Disney sort of locked into the pay or play mode. And I'm not, I'm not against it. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. If they want to charge me 30 bucks to watch Black Widow on TV for 30 days. I will pony up to 30 bucks because I was going to pay that anyway. Right. And I can watch it over and over and over again, which I probably will for 30 days. And then I'll get it on there three months from now. It's not a movie I want to see. I, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing it in the theater. I don't have to see it in the theater. Right. But I do want to see it when it comes out. Sure. And so, you know, um, I, 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 like I said, I think that's where they're going to go with it. Mm-hmm. The head of Disney can talk about it all he wants. But at the end of the day, I mean, he could say yes or no, but mm-hmm. the board could say, oh, well, maybe you don't want your job anymore. Mr. Head of Disney. (laughs) Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Because I think everybody's kind of, I think Black Widow hasn't necessarily become the tenant for 2021. Right. (laughs) It's it's the first, I think, big one that's going to be out there that we're going to have to see whether the the art sticks get moved on it or not. Right. Yeah. Interesting. So I'm going to break things up just a little bit. This is, I'm kind of going off reservation for just a second. But okay. I had to just mention, just before I forget, I'm part of this is, is I'm trying to hit things that are in my memory <laughs> that I don't want to forget about that aren't written down in my notes. And the thing I have to just say is, you know, occasionally I, I take a look at the stats, our download stats for our show. And um, dude, shout out to New Zealand. Seriously, (laughs) like a surprising number of downloads from New Zealand. So hello, friends. (laughs) Thank you, friends, for supporting our ridiculous podcast. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I just never thought anyone from New Zealand would give two shits about us. (laughs) So that and then one other thing I wanted to mention, which does sort of go along with uh, our next little point of intel here is um, 
a friend of the podcast, not even sure if I should mention his name, but a friend of the podcast who listens, uh, he made a request as we had requested you guys to please give us requests. CICJedDrop at gmail.com. But anyway, um, so he uh, he made a request for a future film review by us, which was uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, which is spy adjacent. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and I know that there's a certain co-host of mine that might be slightly chomping at the bit to review something like that. <laughs> eh, who could that possibly be? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> so we are definitely taking it under consideration. We've got some, we, we do have some meat and potatoes. We have to eat first. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know, we have to eat our vegetables and, and, and get all our nutrition in before we decide to have a candy bar. Uh, we, we, we need to get in our broccoli first. Oh, ah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> <laughs> but transitioning, <laughs> the, speaking of Captain America Winter Soldier, uh, a new movie, which for whatever reason, only just recently came up on my radar. This thing has been talked about since last year already, but I didn't find out about it until just now. It's called The Gray Man. Um, it sounds amazing. Uh, it's starring Ryan Gosling, Anna Armas, and Chris Evans. And it's directed by the Marvel director's super team, uh, the Russo brothers, who did Captain America Winter Soldier. And Gosling will play the book's uh, protagonist, an ex-CIA agent named Court Gentry. And Evans plays a bad guy um, who is a former co-worker hunting him down. Uh, so we get a Chris Evans bad guy. So that's yeah, I'm, fun. I'm digging that idea a lot. I'm digging feel, that too. I feel like he could do menacing and he just hasn't been allowed to let his menacing chops out. Oh, well, I think about Knives Out and how oh, yeah. how good he is as just sort of this smart ass prick that you know just yep. doesn't, you know. So I'm really excited to see him as a bad guy. Um Joe Russo was recently on a different podcast called Lights Camera Barstool and gave some really colorful quotes, one of which stood out to me, which was, quote, Bond is another franchise we grew up on, and this is our opportunity to play in the spy sandbox. So that sounds very, very encouraging to me. The fact that they that he flat out referenced Bond tells me this is something I'm definitely going to want to watch and we're definitely going to want to review at some point way down the line. I mean, that's the other thing I, I will mention. It sounds like shooting had been delayed uh, because of COVID and all that sort of thing, but it looks like they're going to get started on that next month. So, so that should be really interesting. He was also quoted as saying, in reference to Chris Evans playing the bad guy, he was quoted as saying, he's going to wear some crazy shit in this one. He's a really unique character and this is Evans as a villain. So it's a really interesting character. I think he's going to get to flex quite a bit in this role. So that's very encouraging as well. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm hoping there's there's scars and, uh, I don't know, an eye patch or yeah. a, a goatee or- make, just... make, him less, make him look less pretty. Yeah, exactly. I, I want to see an uglier Chris Evans. Yes, yes. A little, a little more grimy- a little Grizzled and grizzled and, and yeah, war torn. Uh, exactly that sort of thing. Make him a Cossack. I mean, hell yeah, with it. Go. Just, just, Why just not? <laughs> give him, give him an eye injury with a white eye. You know, it's all clouded <laughs> over. 
Turn him, <laughs> turn him into a true Bond villain. That's what I want to see. <laughs> hey, you know, it, it's interesting to note, though, that uh, this film is actually coming out on Netflix, yeah. um, which is actually great because now we don't have to worry about whether it's going to release anywhere else. Exactly. Unless, unless they're going to put it in that whole new Netflix picture thing that they're starting where they're going to start doing netflix movie releases in theaters at some point oh i did not know about that yeah 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 they're uh they're producing films that will inevitably go into uh theaters like everybody else just like a regular movie production company they'll just automatically get the rights for it you know when they when they want to stream it so i'm i I haven't really read a whole lot about that i've just seen i'm trying to remember what the movie was that i saw they were doing that with uh or had intended to do it with maybe it was this one i I don't know well i i mean it would make sense for this one because the other thing i was going to get to was that the budget for this movie is huge it's 200 it's over 200 million that's that's almost bond level that's almost bond level budget there actually it is bond level budget it's just (laughs) it's it's just without having to pay daniel craig like a ridiculous sum of money or (laughs) pretty much i mean you have to wonder how much of that was going into gosling and evans being true, in the picture true. in the first place for sure but if, you know if i recall correctly also um so i'm like i'm like you know uh, an 11th grader in high school I'm, I'm citing a lot of things without actually citing where i got them from um <laughs> i do that all so, the time on this show that's what we do <laughs> <laughs> it's intelligence people we can't blow our sources um but uh gosh what was i i don't even i was getting so clever i forgot what i was gonna say it doesn't matter. Nothing I say really matters. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's, it's all right. Let's just let's just move on. It'll come back to me as soon as we're done, and I'll holler it out at the end. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> well, the uh, the final the final bit of news. You know, we can't get through a uh, without any episode of the CIC without a little bit of Bond, 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 James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Chris Wright there. I was really just emulating Chris Wright from from JBR. But uh, (laughs) yes, we are going to talk some Bond. Um, Huge, huge hashtag went immensely viral over the past two weeks on the Instagrams and the Twitters and all that sort of thing. Uh, Mark O'Connell, the author of Catching Bullets, um, Memoirs of a Bond Fan. He also has another book called, uh, I believe it's called Catching Skies. And it's it's about um, 80s movies and stuff like that. He's a really interesting guy. His grandfather was the personal driver for Cubby Broccoli. And that's mm. sort of his connection to the Bond world, his initial connection to the Bond world. And he's still very connected. He, you know, he's friendly with Barbara and, you know, that whole thing. So, <laughs> but he was uh, given a... Uh, a little job by Yahoo Movie News or whatever to to do this thing. It's the the hashtag was top five bonds. And it was this Instagram challenge that had people making a handwritten top five list of their favorite bond films. And initially the challenge was sent out to quote unquote bond alumni and well not really quote unquote alumni, actual alumni. <laughs> and then, but quote unquote scholars. Whenever I hear the, the term bond scholars, mm. my eye begins to twitch a little bit. And I begin to, <laughs> uh, I mean, what's what's a scholar? If I think of what who a bond scholar is, it's probably not who official bond scholars think of. 
you know. I said, you would please open up your textbook, uh, <laughs> A Spy Who Loved Me and Loved Me Again, to page 125. We'll uh, look at the ramifications of 007's trysts across the decades. <laughs> now, that being said, there are actually some actual Bond scholars out there. I mean, sure. if you think of Lisa Funnel, Dr. Lisa Funnel, she's she's out there doing her thing with, with Bond Absolutely, and women's but- studies and things like that. But there's there's... A lot of the quote-unquote scholars don't seem so scholarly to me. That's just... Yeah. That's like saying I'm a comic book. I could have the potential to be a comic book scholar, which <laughs> yeah. I would never call myself because that's just plain ridiculous. Yeah. Well, anyway, so this this hashtag, this challenge, this photo challenge went out, the top five bonds went out to... First, the scholars and alumni, and then later it went out to the super fans and the general public. So on the scholars top five list, the the way that it was compiled after, I want to say it was maybe like, uh, I didn't look up how many people were on the scholars list. I want to say about 25 to 50. I can't, I can't remember exactly, but scholars list goes as such. Number one, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Number two, Goldfinger coming soon to a CIC podcast. Uh, Number three, Casino Royale, the 2006 version, just to be sure. (laughs) (laughs) Not the Niven version. Um, (laughs) Number four, From Russia with Love. And number five, The Spy Who Loved Me. So so what do you think about that list? What's your your thoughts? I... I, I'm wondering what the motivation for the scholars was to put on Her Majesty's Secret Service at the top. Well, not that I, not that I think it's a bad movie. Right. I'm just, I'm curious what, that, that there were enough of them that in an aggregate, it made it to the top. I'm curious yeah. what it is about that film, because as we go down the remaining lists that we're looking at, it's not at the top of any of those. Right. Well, I do think that a lot of people see that one as, I mean, here, here's my thing. Here, here's my thought on Honor Majesty's Secret Service is it is a fantastically well-written and shot and scored um, and produced movie and Bond movie. It's, a, it's fantastic in that respect. And I don't mind George Lazenby, but George Lazenby is no Sean Connery. Well, and, that no. is the, and that is the reason for, at least for me, this is just... My amateur opinion, the reason why Honor Majesty's Secret Service does not make it to the top of my lists is, is because Lazenby, while acceptable as Bond and isn't bad, he's no Sean Connery. And given the the time frame that that movie was made in, it, you know, sort of sandwiched in between two Conneries, mm-hmm. and while it is a great Bond movie... It to be fair, to be fair, on Her Majesty's Secret Service probably would have been probably around seven on my list, right around number seven or eight. It would have been okay. cl- it, it was close, but it, it's not it's not in my top five. So, but I think, but I think all those other things that I stated prior, the fact that it's a really well written Bond movie, it's it's probably got one of the best Bond girls in the entire series. Um, it's the whole skiing thing was so new and so original mm-hmm. back then when it first when they first did it. The score is utterly perfect for me. 
Like, so there are a lot of great things about it. I just don't know if I would, I just, I have a hard time. It, like Goldfinger makes sense, you know? Sure. As Goldfinger would make sense as number one, according to scholars. Right. And, and well, I mean, don't get me started about, <laughs> about scholars versus the general public anyway. Right. Well, I, I would have to wonder if that a lot of that reason is because the writing and everything, it kind of makes well, uh, it also has my favorite uh, Blofeld. I just wanted to add in there, too. Fair enough. I think, you know, I, we may have touched on this a few times in other podcasts, but I think it's the one of the few movies that portrays James Bond as a human being. Yes, for sure. With, with, with a past and actual emotions and feelings. Uh, Casino Royale probably being the other one mm -hmm. um, that does pretty much the same thing in the same capacity, really. Yeah. Um, and so I wonder if the, they ranked it on top of that list, because when you compare it even with all of the Conneries, all of the Roger Moores, everybody, mm -hmm. it's the one that made James Bond an actual Human character being. in a movie yeah. with real. Uh, otherwise, he's just, hello, and, and I'm going to kill you <laughs> and say something smarmy when I do it. <laughs> Because that's what the character created. Now, there's a ton of movies that do it now based off of that. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, Sean Connery's James Bond was, I'm clever. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which does not mean that if you put Connery in this role, he wouldn't have just smashed absolutely it. killed it, right? He would have but, smashed it. Right. But his Bond, which everybody uses as the prototype Bond, mm -hmm wasn't that character and no, so it, the movie the movie only i think in my mind it only stands out to me because you, you gave two shits about bond other than i want him to get through the mission to see more things blow up right i mean all the other ones on that list sort of make sense to me um, agreed i still uh, well i'm just going to go down the list and then we can talk about our own personal list and sort of okay give our reasons why so then they uh they put together both the scholars and the super fans, quote unquote, super fans. And I wasn't quite sure who this all encompasses. It is about 2,200 people approximately, but the article came out about a week before I did. I posted one on behalf of the CIC. So I don't know who these people are that are that make up the 2,200 people, but it's definitely a larger group. And I do think it's more reflective of the public at large. Maybe not even the public at large, but just fans of spy movies or James Bond at large. I would agree. So number one is Goldeneye, which, <laughs> which is I'm really... Sorry. I'm rolling my golden eyes right now, just, <laughs> just to say. Num number two, Casino Royale. Number three, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Number four, The Spy Who Loved Me. Number five, Goldfinger. Number six, The Living Daylights. I feel redeemed. Number seven, From Russia with Love. Number eight, Skyfall. Number nine, License to Kill, which is a head scratcher for me. Hmm. And number 10, Live and Let Die. And then just because I had to put it there, just because. Uh... See, a lot of people, a lot of people in the Bond world, they all, whenever, whenever people start talking about what's the stinker in the group, they all go to die another day. And I understand I understand all the criticisms against Die Another Day, but let me tell you something. Spectre is harder to watch, and it was number 25 on the list. The prosecution rests, Your Honor. <laughs> I have such a hard time watching that movie. That movie has the worst car chase 
I've ever fucking seen. I'm sorry. It really, that car chase <laughs> is the most boring jaunt through Rome. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like, I, no, it just doesn't. We shall agree to, to disagree. disagree. To disagree. I mean, I do like, okay, I like it when he gets ejected from the car and he comes floating down on the parachute and then walks away. And the guy, the guy, of course, there's always some guy <laughs> sweeping up and he sees uh-huh. him and he's like, oh, hi. <laughs> you know, it's a very Bondian moment. That part of it was nice, but man, that movie just. I, I've told I, you before, I feel like Spectre is, uh, is Daniel Craig's Roger Moore movie. I really wanted yeah. to like I really wanted to like it, but man, if we uh, ever get around to reviewing this, it's gonna it's, be it's gonna be a hot bed, buddy. It's gonna be a yeah, it's gonna be a hot one because you're gonna be defending it and I'm gonna be throwing <laughs> it under the bus right and left. <laughs> so anyway, moving yeah, right along. Anyway. Moving oh, right yeah. along. I'm going to defer to my co-host first and bring up Jason's okay. list. All right. I don't know if well, you want to list. Do you want yeah, to list? I'll, okay. I'll, I'll run through it. Uh, I'm very tempted to change my first one to Spectre just to give you and your viewing audience or your <laughs> reviewing audience the finger. Uh, by the way, Spectre would have fallen number six on my list Oof. if I'd had six. Wow. I think it's a gorgeously, beautifully shot movie. The girl in it is just breathtaking. I like the storyline. I like Dave Batista as the bad guy. I like it all. So, uh, yes, it was a little cheesier than the previous ones. Like I said, it's this Roger Moore movie. Mm-hmm. Thank God we're not going to get into his Timothy Dalton era. At least I hope we don't. I don't know. <laughs> no time to die comes out. Who knows? It may feel like it's an 80s movie by the time we get to see it. But uh, <laughs> my list is as follows. Number one, Skyfall. Number two, Casino Royale. Number three, Goldfinger. Uh, coming to a CSE podcast near you very soon. Yeah. Uh, Number four, From Russia with Love. And number five, Diamonds Are Forever, which I'm sure everybody's going to scratch their head at a little bit. But uh, Jill Jill St. John, I'm done. I don't have to make any other arguments now. Plus, it's in my old hometown, and I love watching it when there was nothing there. Okay, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. So it's a sentimental favorite. See, I can and, at least... I and can Jill least, St. John. I'm not sentimental Jill about John. her. Well, I'm yeah. other things about Jill St. John. <laughs> well, I can... Okay. Because of those reasons, I'll I'll let Diamonds Are Forever slide because it's <laughs> <laughs> Diamonds Are Forever would be pretty far down my list. And come on, two of the best bad guy bad guys in all of the James Bond movies. Those two idiots with the walrus hair. One had the walrus hair. One was the other guy. I don't know, but they oh, Mister Wins and Mister Kid. That's them. That's them. Yep. <laughs> hey, you can tell I don't watch it enough to know the names, but uh, it's still one of my favorites because. Yeah, those are two. I mean, Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid are underrated in every way possible. I mean, the fact that you've got a um, he's a Glover. He's a Glover. Yeah, he's Crispin Glover's dad. Crispin Glover's dad. I mean, that alone seals the deal for me. Like that gives him some some (laughs) some true cred because he's so good in that role. And hey, Jimmy Dean with his sausages, he's in the movie too. So <laughs> just saying. So even even with the uh uh the incredibly bad <laughs> oh there's the continuity, there's no- the incredibly bad continuity of the car going through the alleyway on one side and coming out on the other side. <laughs> and don't don't mistake me for for a whole lot of other or for a lot of things on this. It's not a great movie, 
it's just one as, of your favorites. Yeah, it's not a great movie. It's not. A, it's not even a great Bond movie, right? It just mm-hmm. has a lot of elements in it that have stuck in my head forever. Probably. I mean, if they filmed this thing in Los Angeles, I probably could give two shits about it. But because it was in Las Vegas, right. and that's my hometown, there's that nostalgia piece. It's like when I watch Vegas with uh, yeah. Robert Urich in it. You know, it's just like, hey, that building's not there anymore. Um, <laughs> what but, man's treasure, man. Right. I, it feels like it was one of the ones that was more geared towards uh, a 12-year-old, 13-year-old Jason than the others because there's no thinking about it at all. It's a yeah. straight-up Diamond Heist type movie with right. hot chicks and James Bond driving a Mustang, if I recall. So, yeah. yeah. See, and I think for that very reason, I think, and and I'm just trying to appeal, I know that you are not, when it comes to James Bond, Pierce Brosnan is not high on your list of, of favorites, but I would, I would present what you just presented as evidence as to why Goldeneye was at the top of the superfans uh, list. Absolutely. And why it's in my list, which it is a dumb movie. That's fun to watch. It is. And it has two really, really, really attractive women in it yep. that, and it's got that, an excellent bad guy. I mean, yeah, I mean it's got everything you need to to make a good movie with. So, um, I'll just get into my list real quick. Uh, number one, Casino Royale, two thousand six. <laughs> number two, From Russia with Love. I felt like uh, I felt like when it came to the Conneries, I just liked the slightly more gritty From Russia with Love. Even though, admittedly, Goldfinger has a better pre-title sequence. I, I will admit Goldfinger has by far a better pre-title than From Russia with Love. But everything else about From Russia with Love is why I put that one as my Connery top five thing. Number three, The Spy Who Loved Me. And that one for me is probably my sentimental favorite because I watched that so much growing up. Roger Moore was my first Bond, so he just... I just mm-hmm. and I absolutely love him in that movie. Barbara Bach is oh, sensational. Barbara Bach, yeah, exactly. And Jaws is in it. Yeah, I mean, third, third, third best, as far as I'm concerned, third best Bond theme song of all time. There you go, exactly. And then number four, Golden Eye, <laughs> which I'm sure Jason is just shaking his head, and he's probably shaking his head at my number five as well, The Living Daylights, because I do love myself some <laughs> Timothy Dalton. Which, speaking of The Living Daylights, I am making a project out of trying to recover the lost data tapes of uh, (laughs) our living, that is our Living Daylights review. For those who have just recently joined us, we were actually going to review The Living Daylights a long time ago. And in fact, we did. It was back in, I believe, I want to say May. It was either March or May. It was an M month. I think it was May. Yeah. Yeah. So we reviewed The Living Daylights, and the audio was a little on the sketchy side. Yeah. But I think I think there's enough there that I can that I can piece it together. I think I just the the room tone. I have to cut all room tone <laughs> out so that you only hear when somebody's talking. 
But anyway, I'm I'm going to try and remix and remaster the Living Daylight so you can hear <laughs> Jason put up with my fanboying over the Living Daylights. Well, can can we just admit right now that it really wasn't so much an audio problem as the audio also agreed that it was a terrible movie oh. and didn't feel that that podcast needed to be recorded? Oh, I see how it is. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, you know what, Living Daylights for me is, is, is top bond. I, I, it really is. It's, it's got a great soundtrack. That's another thing for me, which probably makes sense with my list is I tend to rate things that have a good soundtrack or score. It's going to be higher up on my list. I'm Mm -hmm. really highly affected by that. That's another reason why I didn't like Spectre very much. Why I wanted to, I wanted to. I I will agree with you on that. The soundtrack in Spectre is not great. No, it's very uninspired. It's basically rehashing a lot of what mm-hmm. was in Skyfall and not very well either. So, but I will say the the GoldenEye thing, I think the GoldenEye <clears throat> thing is very much a generational thing. And I think that's why that's now trending so high is because people in that Agreed. People in that age range, I mean, GoldenEye came out when I was for me, and I would actually consider myself probably a slightly older Bond fan than the median age of bond fans mm-hmm. at this at this point um goldeneye for me came out i believe oh 95 okay so it came okay. out in 95 so i was i was actually already three years into college so uh that makes sense that goldeneye hits for me you know i was of that age and- of where i was doing a lot of movie watching because i was still in college just kind of screwing mm-hmm. around not doing very well in college, I might add, <laughs> at that point. <laughs> and a lot of people, uh, the, I think that, like I said before, I think the median age of Bond fans right now is slightly younger than me. So well, that would make sense. Maybe maybe yeah. not Maybe not no, too no, much no, no, younger No, 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 I was going to say, I would say that the median age of people that like James Bond and talk about it on the internet Ah, put some square in this era. That's a, that's right? a good point as well. The tech-savvy Bond fan. Yes. Who would who would actually be participating in an Instagram challenge? Right. So that's that's kind of because that's their generation, right? You know, yeah. you're you know my so my introduction into Bond the first time I didn't see it on TV was Moonraker, and mm-hmm. the only reason I went to go see that was because spaceships and lasers, pew, 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 <laughs> right? So um, I would have to say that my introductory movie, the one that sticks with me, is For Your Eyes Only, because uh-huh. not only did I see that in the theater. I saw it over and over again on cable and, you know, so that one really kind of introduced me to all of that sort of thing, which let's face it, the the very last few Roger Moore movies were not the best introduction into James Bond. I thought For Your Eyes Only was pretty decent though. For what it is, it's pretty solid, but compared to Moonraker and then uh, compared to Octopussy, I mean, View to a Kill. Don't don't you dare talk about Octopussy, sir. Oh, I'm talking about (laughs) Octopussy, sir. That is... That one is, that's the first one I saw in the theater. And I was never so giddy as when I went to London a few years ago and I went to the Bond in Motion exhibit. When I saw that plane from the pre-title sequence of Octopussy, I've never been happier in my whole friggin' life. <laughs> well, you know, we all got to have our things, man. I that's guess right. if I saw... If Again, I saw sentimental Zorro, favorites. Absolutely. I guess if I saw Lotus explode when somebody tried to break into it, I'd probably be giddy too. So, <laughs> you know. Um, but I mean, you know, so for me... Like the Timothy Dalton ones, and we talked about 
if we ever get the the podcast uh, to the point where we can listen, I talk about it in there. I'm pretty sure it was that it just felt like an '80s action movie that James Bond happened to be a character in. Mm-hmm. They both of them didn't feel like James Bond movies. They felt like drug movies, which is what they were. You know. Yeah. Um, because that's what the 80s was. Yeah. You're fighting Russians or drugs. Yeah. It was definitely one of those moments in the Bond timeline where the Bond franchise was doing more following than it was setting trends. Yes. And I think I think that's where I think that's where maybe they went a little bit wrong with the Daltons. I I just it just crushes me that Dalton did get didn't get another chance. He's just Agreed. too good of an actor. I think he would have smashed Goldeneye if they would have given him Goldeneye. He would have been amazing in the role. It's oh, yeah. Unfor- it's unfortunate that they had a bunch of legal issues that, in part, caused that long gap between License to Kill and Goldeneye. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think every day, no, not every day, but every day I think about Goldeneye, which isn't very often, but when I do, <laughs> um, thinking about Timothy Dalton squaring off against Sean Bean. What a... Wow. I know, right? I wow. mean, the, the chemistry between the... I don't even have to see the two of them together. No, the chemistry between two of them would have been way better than it was with Pierce Brosnan. Well, also, too, I think that Bond would have looked very much more the superior agent. Yes. It, with, a, with a Dalton Bond versus Sean Bean. Whereas, Absolutely. Whereas with Pierce and Sean, they looked very much equals. Right. So... And that brings up my uh, the unhid or the hidden question: Why did Sean Bean get to be James Bond? I believe he didn't he audition for it. I believe he did. I, I don't. Well, there's two people on this podcast, and only one of them is going to know the answer to that one. And it ain't me. <laughs> I am I am ninety percent sure that he did audition to be Bond. Um, so somebody didn't like uh, a Daniel Craig Bond back in the '90s, apparently, because I just you imagine that he would have just been that dead-eyed assassin crazy bond killer guy that we had to wait until 2006 to get yeah you know he would have been incredible as a younger bond right craig would have been something else if they would have nabbed him like 10 years earlier oh my goodness yeah that would that would actually be great watching an actual chart going from being a younger bond to an older bond rather than sort of skating around it in 2006 but uh, you know i really hope you know, for all my love for the for the for Bond movies and everything else, Dan Jack, please get your shit together, man. Like seriously, <laughs> like we need. I think the fans just are just dying, are just aching for a new person to be brought in as Bond, who's young, who can crank out a several of them. You know, get back to that three year, two to three year gap. I I understand that two years is too tight these days to like go from one movie to the next movie. But like, if you can do every three and to, to get a succession from one actor, it would be something else. And I think they would make a killing. And I don't know. I just, well, I'm ready for them to start remaking the sixties and seventies movies with a new mindset at it. I like original material, but I feel like you could take the existing stuff and really modify it for, uh, yeah, well, I mean, they, they did it with Casino Royale, they did it with Quantum Solace. Right. You know, um, yeah. you I know, do think, I do think it's, I think it's down the line a little bit, but I do think, you know, things are going to change. It is inevitable at this point, especially with MGM where they're at. Something's going to break. <laughs> like, right. Whether it's just MGM being sold or whether it's the entire Bond franchise being acquired by one of these big, 
you know, by a Disney or by an Apple or by an mm-hmm. Amazon or whoever, I think things are going to change sooner than later. I have a hard time believing that things are going to stay the same with Bond. I think it's too right. it's it's too uh, valuable of a, of a franchise to just let wither away. It would be right. and it would be just be tragic. It would, but you know, it's funny. Um, getting back to the, my point about re, redoing the stuff, the Bond franchise has been very resistant to rehashing, considering that it's been the trend in Hollywood for the last 20 years to take old ideas and right. just re release them into the wild as new idea. Um, and I feel like what you were saying is true. If the franchise gets picked up by a big player, they're probably going to jump in and immediately reinvest in redoing everything mm-hmm. because it's existing material. You don't have to, you have to hire writers to modernize, but you don't have to write a completely new spec script on, on with all new ideas and whatever else. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I know there are a lot of reboot haters out there and even I have my moments. Like if somebody decided, Oh, they're making it back to the future. What, 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 Jason, where are you going? See ya. <laughs> right. There's some movies that don't need to be remade. Right. Uh, for any reason. But like, uh, you know, I'll jump on the sci-fi wagon. I know a lot of people who hated the Star Trek reboot. Yeah. And I absolutely, I loved it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that second one wasn't that great, but that was just because they really, really rebooted and it just was nuts. But the yeah. first one and the third one, I loved them. Yeah. I love seeing, I love seeing new versions of old stories brought into a more modern outlook and, 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 you know, if and they given, decided and to, given the benefit of technology and exactly, yeah. you know, they could take all the old Star Trek episodes with, with Shatner and Nimoy mm-hmm. and redo every single one of them with new technology, new actors. I don't care. I yeah. like the stories. I like the mythology. I like all of the things that come along with it. I don't mm-hmm. care if you want to put a new coat of paint on it, do it, make it interesting for me again, yeah. you know? I would love to see a new version of Goldfinger. I would love to see definitely a new version of Thunderball with less swimming involved. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, You know, (laughs) uh, live and let die would be fantastic to do now. Right. You know? Yes. Um, You could make it a little bit more culturally, you know, a little more progressive. You could bring it, bring it up to date in that respect. And, and just, yeah, I mean, you could really shine a, a, a better light. I think on like, that town and and yeah and just everything. imagine imagine moonraker on mars james bond goes to mars well here's my thing is <laughs> i would like to see a version of moonraker that's closer to the book okay because the book version is way better <laughs> and and i think that version needs to be told at some point i think a lot of the bond movies were pulled a little too far away from Fleming. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if they would have kept them closer, I mean, minus, you know, racism and <laughs> things like that. But I think you could have done those movies, you know, much closer to the, to the source material and you'd have a totally different movie and it would be mm-hmm. just as entertaining, if not more entertaining, which also leads to my thought. I still think that I think they should do period versions of bond where it takes where it takes place in the 60s or the 50s or you know whatnot yeah. I, would lo- I would love to see that i know there's a lot of people that are super resistant to that idea they feel like bond needs to stay current with whatever's going on i get that but i also think about how much i enjoyed man from uncle mm-hmm. and how well that worked being a pseudo period piece right 
Well, and again, going back to my theory, I think that they should just say that James Bond's a different guy every time, but he's been running since the 60s. And when they retire an old model, they bring out a new one and they run with it. <laughs> yeah. our, our current Daniel Craig James Bond, his name was Billy McAvoy, and uh, they brought him in, <laughs> trained him up, gave him his code name and his secret identity and sent him on his way. <laughs> um, because that gives you think of the latitude that gives you in terms of filmmaking Yeah, where you could just say okay so we're going to hire this guy to be our 60s bond this guy's our 70s bond this guy's our 80s 90s 2000. every 10 years we get a new bond because either die or they they age out right right and, and so you could jump back and do a cold war one you could jump forward and go do a drug interdicting one if that's what you felt like you needed to do this but, is going to be this is going to be the intel report that either sends people packing <laughs> or in, or endears them to us because we're we're breaking all the rules right now we are like we're delving into all the things that like get people's blood boiling i'm loving it <laughs> you think that's great wait till we uh wait till we get to the the goldfinger episode which is uh coming very soon but but not to a theater near you just to your ears just to your ear holes just your ear holes in the form of a podcast review. Yeah. Well, hey, hey, talking about our our, our tens of fans. Yes. Um, uh, I don't know if any of you uh, also participated in that. That name your best top five films for top James five Bond. Bonds. But, yeah. Yeah, but hey, if you feel like it, send us your list. We'd like to uh, see what you guys are thinking too. How you compare with ours and yes. With oh the, my God, that's a great idea. That's a great and idea. The, scholars plus and hey if you happen to be one of those scholars or scholars plus let us know because we're really curious who you people actually are that's right that's right <laughs> but uh yeah please please uh send us a message either through our email uh cic at gmail.com if you wanted to talk to me over twitter it's at cic spy pod we're on Instagram at Central Intelligence Cinema. It's just separated by underscores. Uh, so we're very active on there as well. But yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And also, if you aren't completely incensed by us uh, <laughs> delving into all the ideas that a lot of Bond fans don't like talking about, <laughs> please feel free to go to Apple uh, Podcasts and give us a glowing five-star review because that helps us show up sooner on searches for podcasts of this nature. So I think that pretty much, uh, pretty much gets us out of here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we got a lot more out of those lists than I was thinking we were going to, but uh, <laughs> you, you never know where the talking points are going to be on an Intel report because uh, you know, it's, it's just, you got to discuss the Intel, you got to review it. You got to scrub it through the filters. You got to check your sources. And uh, <laughs> once you come back, you got to give a detailed briefing. That's right. Indeed, indeed. But yes, please give us your top five bonds. I would love to I would love to hear from you guys. So with that, I'm Ben. And I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis, and more mayhem. <laughs>